You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, as part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider and credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on a really exciting Tuesday after the Pelicans dispatched the Chicago Bulls 132-128 to in double overtime. This was a pretty wild game in the Smoothie King Center where the Pelicans found themselves down by as many as 18 in the fourth quarter before sparking a comeback. Third quarter woes were still a problem, but the Pelicans really battled back late in the fourth, getting it to overtime, getting it to double overtime, despite having chances to win both games at the end of regulation, almost. Um, So we'll recap this for you guys here. We're going to not necessarily dive into certain things of it. You guys watched the game, I'm sure, so we don't need to kind of recount the play-by-play and the back and forth of it. Instead, I want to talk about a few different topics with this, as well as the historic night put up by DeMarcus Cousins, because he was absolutely tremendous, not just in his stats, but in the way he played and the energy he brought to the team. In the second segment, you're going to get introduced to the new uh, Tuesday weekly segment, and that's where we do some NBA power rankings. We're going to look around the league as a whole. I'm going to rank my top five teams. I want to hear your guys' feedback as well. Let me know if you agree or disagree. And then in the third segment, I've got an article up on LockedOnPelicans.com, and this is not a good one, necessarily. We're looking at the Pelicans in the third quarter. We've seen recent collapses to the Atlanta Hawks, to the Memphis Grizzlies, and again, a bad third quarter for the Pelicans against the Chicago Bulls. There is a trend here. I dove into some of the numbers. We're going to take a look at it. We're going to see if there's anything we can really draw from it, if there's any answers for this team. So without further ado, let's just jump into today's edition of Locked on Pelicans and recap the wild game from last night. So that win over the Bulls in double overtime, again, 132 to 128, shows everything maddening about this Pelicans team. And if I sound a little bit hushed right now, it's because I'm out of town and in a hotel room late at night, and I don't want to scream, and I kind of want to scream after this game a little bit. But I'm going to do my best to not get kicked out of the hotel. So this game was tremendous. Mainly first, we got to focus on not the double overtime win, not the collapse in the third quarter or the furious rally to come back for it. The biggest thing here is the DeMarcus Cousins performance to get this victory, to get it to overtime in the first place. On the night, he had a triple-double, 44 points, 44 freaking points, 24 freaking rebounds, 7 freaking offensive rebounds, 10 assists, um, 5 turnovers, but I mean, in that many, he played 51 and a half minutes. 5 turnovers are cool um, at that point. So, Cousins putting up a triple-double of that stats is the only guy since, uh, he's the first guy, I think, since Wilt Chamberlain has basically done it, or Oscar Robertson, and... Yeah, this was a tremendous performance from him all around. This was a locked-in DeMarcus Cousins. He was out there trying to play, and he put this team on his back, particularly down the stretch. He was good on defense. He was locked in and trying there, though he still had a couple of mistakes on it. But overall, this is what makes him such a controversial player because you see the amazing nights like this, and you wonder how come he's not able to do this on a consistent night-in, night-out basis. Same thing.
thing goes for this whole team as well. It took a furious rally, and I think it was a 19-2 to run late in the fourth to get back into this game and to actually take the lead and have a chance to win it in regulation before making a dumb mistake, and that was Darius Miller fouling Justin Holiday, not Drew Holiday, Justin Holiday, Drew's brother on the Bulls, as he kind of heaved the last-second three-point attempt with .3 seconds left on the clock, fouled, got to the line to actually win the game with three free-throw attempts, only making two. Gotta know better than that in that situation. That was how the Pels are gonna Pell in this one. Luckily, though, he missed one of them. The, the third out of the three, maybe the moment got to him, and it sent it into overtime. And the Pels, again, still sputtered on offense. Anthony Davis fouled out. Davis on the night had a pretty good performance, 34 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists from him. He was aggressive and trying to score, and the Pels knew to get him the ball late in the fourth quarter. We've seen them go away from him, and Scott Kushner has an article about this over at The Advocate today. Um, that he wrote a couple days ago, basically saying that, yeah, the teams have kind of game plan to take Davis out of the second half, so other guys need to score and step up, and you've seen Drew Holiday do that. You've seen DeMarcus Cousins do that. But this was a game against the Chicago Bulls where this team needed AD, and they needed him to lead them and get buckets. He went out and did, and they got him the ball in the right spot, and you've got to be happy with that. Drew Holiday played, you know, kind of third fiddle here, as he always does, 5 of 17 shooting on the night, so he was inefficient there. Only 12 points and 6 assists, but this dude played some locked down, locked, locked down defense on the Bulls and really disrupted them in the fourth quarter and at certain periods in overtime. So it's a, a good situation that, you know, even if he's not scoring, he can still contribute in other ways. I mean, he really shut down that Bulls offense. What was so great about this and so annoying and as Sharif Aishak, my guest last week, said mind-boggling about this is it showed that this team could be a very good defensive team and there's potential there when they're all trying hard is basically what it is other than holiday but when everyone else is trying hard they can do some really good things and they did tonight this team has a defensive rating of 24th out of 30th overall and it just seems like it could or should be so much higher and that's a very important thing, knowing that their ceiling's better than they are. There is potentially somehow a way maybe to get this right this season. But overall, this was just a good win for the Pelicans. Look, you can kind of harp on the fact that they gave up 66 points in the paint to Chicago, um, that Chicago turned the ball over 24 times, and the Pels still had to go to double overtime to beat them. You could look at the fact that the Bulls are 18 and 29, and say they shouldn't even have been there in the first place. And the bad third quarters again, which by the way, we're going to talk about in the third segment here. And also make sure you go check out what I've written over at LockedOnPelicans.com on that. But at the end of the day, a win is a win. And certain things jump out at you, like low turnovers for the Pels in a double overtime game. They only had 13, 22 second chance points. Boogie grabbing his own miss and putting things back. This team just tried hard tonight. When they care and when they give a shit and give a damn, this team can be really, really good. That's why this season has been frustrating, despite the Pelicans now being in sole possession of the sixth seed in the Western Conference. But enjoy this win, and let's see if they can carry this momentum forward. We've said this before, and they've had other wins, and I don't think this should be the, the best win of the season so far because it shouldn't go to double overtime against the Bulls like this. But maybe they carry this momentum forward, and maybe they've turned a corner 
Only time will tell, and we're going to have to wait and see. But rest assured, we're going to be covering that, obviously, here on Locked on Pelicans. So I'm going to direct you to LockedOnPelicans.com a lot today. First, yeah, go read the article I have up looking at the third quarter woes for the Pelicans. But also Jason Quigley's got an article that he threw up on Monday examining DeMarcus Cousins and saying why we should appreciate him a little bit more and maybe be a little bit easier on him. And it's funny because then Cousins goes and drops the 44, 24, and 10 line tonight. So he clearly was on to something. So make sure you go check it out over at LockedOnPelicans.com. So we're going to dive deep-ish into the Pelicans' third quarter woes in the third segment here on today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. But first, I want to switch gears and have a little bit of fun in what's going to be the recurring segment on Tuesday here. And that's going to be look doing some power rankings, ranking either the top five or top ten, depending on how long the segment goes, teams in the NBA. And let me know whether you guys agree or disagree. The power rankings usually fire people up, so I'm always curious to see how people have teams ranked What tiers do they put them in? What makes a team necessarily better than another one? So without further ado, I'm going to give you guys my initial uh, of the season, I guess, power rankings. Now that we're we're over halfway in, we kind of have a very good idea of who these teams are. And then either later in the week or next week when we do this segment, the Locked On NBA Network as a whole is going to be doing some power rankings. So you can tune in every Tuesday to hear those. So, without further ado, the number one team in Nola Jake's power rankings here is without a doubt the Golden State Warriors. This is no surprise to anybody. Yeah, they lost to the Rockets the other day, um, but at the same point, they still are 37-10. and 10. They have the best record in the league. They have some of the best players. They're going to get four guys on the All-Star team, most likely, in Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Kevin Durant. Um, two of those three are named starters, and then Draymond Green's likely going to get in there as well. The team's still stacked. They are still the favorite to win the NBA title, though it's worth noting, I saw the stat the other day, I think this team is 1-4 combined against the Houston Rockets and the Oklahoma City Thunder. And while that doesn't necessarily mean much in the regular season when we see teams sleepwalking through the regular season, bit surprising to see them not taking care of of business against some of the better teams in the league. So we're keeping an eye on that. Maybe the playoffs will be a little bit more open than we were expecting. But as of right now, it's still the Warriors at number one. Number two should be no surprise. I've got the Houston Rockets at 32 and 12. They're second in the Western Conference. They have the best offense. They have a top 15 ranked defense, and they're basically doing everything you want them to do. And when it comes to the playoffs, you have to think they're really the only team with a puncher's chance against Golden State. Golden State wants to shoot threes and bomb it all game. The war or the the Rockets will probably just say, "Yeah, we got our guys. We like them." They're named Eric Gordon um, and Harden, and basically everyone who shoots threes on their team. Ryan Anderson. You can go through the whole list. Chris Paul has been a fantastic addition for them. Works quite well with him and Harden. Paul, by the way, is averaging 19 points and nine assists this season and almost six rebounds per game. And then Harden's just casually dropping in 31 and a half points per game on also nine assists. This team moves the ball. They play good defense. They've got Clint Capella, a dominant, not dominant, but really kind of maybe underappreciated, underrated big down low, who's been great for them. They've kind of got everything. Are they as good as the Warriors top to bottom? No, but this team, if they can just steal maybe one or two games in the playoffs from the Warriors, that's all they need because they can definitely hold serve at home. 
The third spot is where things start to get a little bit interesting, and I've got the Boston Celtics at three, a team the Pelicans just beat last week. And though Kyrie Irving scoring at an exceptionally high level, uh, the Celtics right now, I believe, are on a three-game losing streak, so it kind of drops them down. Otherwise, I think I probably would have had them higher. Three-game losing streaks will drop you probably in any power rankings. Um, they still have the best defense in the league by far, but if you go back to mid-December, they actually have one of the worst offenses. And though they're missing Gordon Hayward, they still have enough players on there and a smart enough coach that you'd like to see a little bit more from them. But if they get Gordon Hayward back at some point this season, after that horrific injury for any period of time and for any minutes per game, that is going to be absolutely terrifying, particularly because they still have assets to make a trade. No, it won't be for DeMarcus Cousins or Anthony Davis, but this team can still improve and become an absolute force and maybe be a team that can threaten the Golden State Warriors should they meet in the NBA Finals, but we're still a little bit ways off from that right now. At four in my power rankings, I've got the Toronto Raptors at 31 and 14, second in the Eastern Conference. So we've got two from the West, two from the East here, with the East being the third and fourth uh, positions here, of course. Raptors, by the way, have the fourth best offense in the league and the fifth best defense. They're just a well-rounded team, and I freaking love Kyle Lowry, who's an all-star this year. DeMar DeRozan is also playing like an all-star and might need to be in the MVP conversation absolutely killing it with that mid-range game of his and things are just kind of working for them uh as they should they rank well in most uh statistical categories here uh they do a good job rebounding they're one of the better offensive rebounding teams in the league which makes them a pain they've got bigs who can kind of at least match up and maybe slow down most others in the league maybe quite not the pelicans uh but overall you know this has been a very good season for them Finally, in my power rankings, I've got the Minnesota Timberwolves. This was a team, you know, that I that's playing above what I thought they would be at. They're 30 and 18, and I thought all this talent would take more time to gel. But Jimmy Butler has been absolutely tremendous form after coming over in the trade, um, averaging 21.7 points per game, five assists, five rebounds, two steals. He's shooting well from outside. He's scoring inside. This is a guy who's been absolutely phenomenal. You thought that maybe Tom Thibodeau would have run these guys into the ground um, as we're going to talk about in the next segment here they're one of they alongside the Pels are the only teams with three guys in the top 20 of minutes played per game and you know when when you think about it like that way these guys should be running out of gas but they're not they're actually getting better as the season has gone on they rank third offensively on the year their ranking on defense is 23rd out of 30th but they've played significantly better since the calendar changed to 2018 i'm curious to see where they go if they do run out of gas because i'm not entirely sure they will and i'm really starting to buy a lot of stock in this minnesota timberwolves team so i've got them fifth in the power rankings so let me know your power rankings on twitter it's at nola jake and at locked on pels agree with my top five disagree let me know and let me know who's in your top five nba power rankings so we're finally getting to the topic that you all want to hear the third quarter with the new orleans pelicans particularly with it being very apparent over the past couple of games so quickly if you haven't already go check out lockedonpelicans.com and read what i have up there right now before we dive into it a little bit more in today's podcast so we know the Pelicans' third quarters have been bad, but I'm here to exactly point out how bad they've been. And to start with, the Pelicans have the 25th worst net rating in the third period, just in the third quarter. 25th worst. Not 
Good, obviously. So what's going on there? And to do this, I really looked at the rotations and rotation visualization tools which are out there. So the normal starters of Drew Holiday, uh, Rajon Rondo, uh, who else? Uh, one Moore, DeMarcus Cousins, and Anthony Davis start the game. And they do pretty well there. They have a net rating of, one po- of positive 1.7. So not great. It's good because you're not negative there. They're kind of just keeping this team afloat. And when they play a little bit into the second quarter, if they do, they do very well in that regards because that's usually when the opponent started to sub guys in. But that starting lineup has a positive net rating in 161 minutes, so the most minutes by quarter that they've all been together. When you get to the third quarter, so coming out of the break, they have played 149 minutes together in the third, and they always start the third quarter together. And this is a normal rotation in the NBA. Your starters start the game. You get a break at the end of the first, maybe, or at least the start of the second before coming in to close out the half, and then you start the third, get a break at the end of the third or the start of the fourth, and then come back in to close the game. So this starting lineup follows the kind of that normal-ish rotation and comes in to start the third quarter and they are bad in the third quarter remember i said they had a net rating of 1.7 in the first quarter that's off an offensive rating of 105 and a defensive rating of 103.3 in the third quarter it's got an offensive rating of 102.4 and a defensive rating of an unghastly 117.6 that is a net rating of negative 15.1 Negative 15.1. When teams come in and go on a big run for the first eight, six to eight minutes of the third quarter, they're beating up the starting lineup who were okay to start the game. So I dove into these numbers and tried to drill down a little bit to see if maybe there's, you know, particularly one culprit, something like that. There really isn't. All, almost all of the players for the Pelicans have a negative net rating in the third quarter. The guy who has the best net rating is actually Dante Cunningham, the positive net rating of 2.3, followed by Tony Allen at 1.1. Then you get Anthony Davis at negative 3.1, Drew Holiday's negative 3.6, Ian Clark's negative 4.2, Darius Miller's negative 6.4, Cousins is negative 7.8, Etuan Moore is negative 9.9, Jameer Nelson's negative 11.5, Rondo who we're going to touch on in a second, is negative 11.6. And then the rest of the guys don't really matter because they haven't played like any minutes. You get Ashik, Liggins, Diallo, Jones. Just for fun, Jalen Jones, who's now been cut, had a negative net rating of negative 156.2 um, in his 2.2 minutes that he played in the third quarter of one game. So that's bad. Maybe that's why he's cut, but it was really because they needed some guard depth. So... Obviously, the entire team's bad, and that's, again, because the starters are playing the majority of the minutes together. So if they have a negative net rating in a lineup of all five of them, you're, they're going to have ne- negative net ratings. But here you can kind of see the culprit, culprits, maybe. The main one being Rajon Rondo at negative 11.6. He's got a defensive rating that he gives up of 113.5 in the third quarter. DeMarcus Cousins and Etuan Moore aren't doing much better at negative, or at, sorry, at a defensive rating of 116.2 and 115.5. Uh, so it's not good all around with this team. Um, so that's the interesting thing. Um, now, I dove into maybe what's going on and tried a number of different hypotheses to figure out exactly what's going on here. 
So the question becomes, as I stay in the article, what happens to this group after halftime? And I'll be honest, I don't really have a concrete idea. I thought maybe it had to do with Davis, Cousins, and Holiday all ranking in the top 11 uh, of minutes per game. But then you look at the Timberwolves, who's got three guys in the top 20, and I put them fifth in my power rankings, and they have the second best net rating as a team in the third quarter. The Warriors, who also play their starters heavy minutes, they have the best net rating in the third quarter, which would be no real surprise because they're the best team there. However, the Pelicans, using similar minutes allocations, rank 25th there. So then it maybe becomes just something we can't quantify and really look at. Maybe opponents are just adjusting better than the Pelicans coaching staff is. And Scott Kushner talked about this, and we talked about this in the beginning here, that maybe it has to do with that. Teams are trying to take away Anthony Davis in the third and fourth quarters and force other guys to beat him, and maybe the Pelicans just don't do that well enough. Problem is still on the defensive side of the ball, that net rating or that defensive rating spikes to bad, bad levels in the third quarter. There's also no real way to quantify whether or not the coaching staff is making a difference. That's it's a tough thing. There's no stats really on that. So it can be kind of one of those things where that's an eye test idea or just an anecdotal type of idea. So we can't really prove that necessarily. It also just could be effort and giving a damn. As we talked about in this Bulls game, you know, the Pelicans started caring at one point and they went on a freaking run to get them back in the game. So maybe it's just they don't care or oftentimes they have a lead and they come out complacent and start to rely on the three-point shot, think they can be lazy, and kind of half-ass their way through things. There really isn't an answer. I think the only, if you're looking for an answer, the only thing you can really say for sure is that this team needs to maybe try a different starting lineup um, for the third quarter or for the second half. Like I said, Rondo has the worst net rating out of all the starters in the third quarter, but also in the Pelicans' most, the second most used lineup in the third quarter, he's in there, and that lineup has a positive net rating. So we don't really have a, a great idea here of what to do. Maybe a new lineup, maybe different rotations, maybe it's better halftime adjustments, maybe it's just waking the hell up and trying harder, but whatever it is, it needs to change soon. So this is obviously a topic we're going to be covering quite closely over at LockedOnPelicans.com, and I'm going to be covering quite closely here on the Locked On Pelicans podcast. I'm going to spend some more time diving deep into the matter and trying to figure out exactly what's going on to see if we can't pinpoint it. Right now, no real answer, but at least we know there's a problem here. And the only idea I can really throw out right now, at least based on my preliminary research, is to mix up the starting lineup, which should come as no shock. You know, th this team starts Rondo to start the game and to start the third quarters, but doesn't really play him in the uh, latter part of the second quarter or at all in the fourth quarter. He didn't play in fourth quarter or overtime, either overtimes of the win over in the win over the Bulls. So it's kind of telling what the coaching staff thinks of him. So then why are you throwing him out there with the starters in a suboptimal lineup that then just gets run out the building every time you come out of the locker room after halftime? Maybe a change needs to be made there. I think you can easily make that argument. I don't know, however, if that's just going to fix the problem. But it's worth doing because, frankly, if you keep doing this, things aren't going to work and you're going to eventually get in a hole you can't climb out of or play your way out of like the Pelicans did, luckily being able to get out of that hole against the Chicago Bulls. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Enjoy the win. Not going to be a total killjoy here and buzzkill and try and just get rid of the good feelings after that victory because really the Pelicans shouldn't have been there in the first place and we still saw a lot of bad from them. 
Enjoy the power rankings. Let me know who your top five teams in the NBA are. And make sure you check out LockedOnPelicans.com and read the article I've got up there right now looking at the third quarter woes and what's maybe causing them. A topic, as I just said, we'll be investigating much more closely here in the future to come. So thank you again all for listening. I'm your host, Jake Madison, at NOLAJake on Twitter. As always, I'll be back with you all tomorrow. Thank you.